Hey, Clay, so what about this podcast and the idea behind it? Well, Ray, I, I thought that uh, we could spend some time as two people who have been in this business for a long time talking about the problems that superintendents, education leaders, people who are in classrooms face every day because it's clearly different, but in many ways it's the same. Yeah, um, yeah, it is. And, and what we're finding, I think, is that um, you know all the courses I took never matched up, up, up against some of the challenges I faced. And so looking to experience and looking to people in the field for advice and ideas I think has really been a big help to me in my career. So that's what K-12 Confidential is about. It's about exploring some of these topics, talking uh, with other education leaders, and hopefully offering some thoughts and some solutions that people can apply to their current practice. Yeah, I've always enjoyed when I get some strategies from somebody or get some a, a way of approaching a problem that doesn't have a simple answer. And in education today, I think uh, more of them come like that. Yeah, you know, there's no fill in the blanks for a leadership. No. You know, it's interesting because when I first became a superintendent, I thought I had all the answers. And what I learned is I didn't even have the right questions. And so as I moved forward through my career, I got better at asking better questions. And interestingly, the districts that I then served became better. Yeah. Yeah. And so the whole idea behind this is it's kind of like getting uh, meeting a group of uh, leaders almost in a bar and sitting around and saying, so, you know, I've been facing with, I've been faced with this challenge. And somebody say, well, I've, I've had something like that. And we're able to share and walk away uh, from the podcast with some ideas, with some ways to maybe begin to solve solutions, maybe bringing, you know, one of the things I think we've learned in our career is that um, you're not alone unless you want to be alone. And that it's kind of bringing people together and sharing thinking that we all grow from that. And that's kind of the whole concept of this K-12 confidential. Yeah. And it's really not confidential because it's out there. It's out there for everybody to use. But um, I think it's a catchy term. Yeah, but it's also kind of, a, I think, to invoke an intimate conversation among people who are kind of not like-minded, but like-oriented in terms of their service. Yeah. But, Ray, I think this begs an interesting question, and that is, you know, who are we to be doing this? And so I want to ask you a question. Sure. Who are you? I mean, tell, tell, tell our listeners, particularly people who haven't seen you at a model schools conference or who haven't seen you uh, speaking across the country, who are you? That's really interesting. <laughs> who am I? So, you know, what's fun about this is, um, you know, I've been a teacher, a principal, a superintendent, uh, um, I've worked through those jobs, became commissioner of education in Vermont. Looking now at that job, I learned a lot from that job. I may not have liked it when I was there, but it was very political and I've learned a lot. You know, then I, then I got a chance to work for Bill Gates and spent time at the foundation out in Seattle and um, worked with Tom Vanderock and some other brilliant minds. And um, from that, I, I actually got uh, taken away by Bill Daggett, who I know you know, and Bill uh, being the futurist and the person who's leading all kinds of transformational work. Uh, then I left Bill to work... Uh, I felt like I needed to learn about the online world, so I went to Penn Foster, which is a global leader in online learning. Um, I was the chief learning officer, left there to uh, become the dean at Southern New Hampshire University, which, is, which was named the 12th most innovative company in the world. And I got to learn a lot about the future. And uh, 
Then I came circled back, and I'm working now as the president of SPN, Successful Practices Network, with Bill Daggett again, and we also lead the National Dropout Prevention Center. And um, that collection of work has created just a great level of excitement for me, and I think I can share a lot, and I think, I don't have solutions to everything, but I can definitely uh, get us started on some solutions. Yeah, I think it comes back to asking but, those great you know, questions. And I met you a long time ago, and you've been a great friend, and so... I, what are you doing, and what have you been up to in your career? Well, the career has been kind of a long arc, but, you know, Ray, for those who don't know me, I started out as a teacher and a coach in Waterloo, Iowa. Um, but I was fortunate there because I was surrounded by some really smart people who were always thinking about not just what was next for me, but what was next for education. And they prepared me for my first real administrative job as being a principal in a school district in Waterloo. Mm -hmm. um, I left that position and went to St. Augustine, Florida, where I was the associate superintendent for human resources and information technology. What a crazy mix of things, but it also stretched me in ways that I didn't know that I could be stretched. And so that was really a good spot for me, but it also led to my next job, which was in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, where I became the superintendent. Yeah. Um, and we moved, I think, that district forward in a lot of really positive ways. You know, I like to say that, you know, Baton Rouge was a place that really taught me that all kids can learn and all kids have greatness ahead of them. It's just up to us as a school system to find it. Um, I was blessed to have my time in Baton Rouge. Uh, that was a great experience for me. And I, I left there and uh, was privileged to go to Pinellas County. I, again, I didn't know what I didn't know when I got to Pinellas County. We were the 22nd largest school district in the country. I was only about 40 years old. And again, I didn't know the right questions, but I started to learn the right questions to ask. Um, there we were really focused on literacy, made a big difference for kids. Um, that drew the attention of some folks at Scholastic. I went to Scholastic in New York City as a vice president and then a senior vice president. Um, and, um, you know, I, I learned a lot then about scale and about how organizations mm -hmm. could move things. Yeah. Um, but I missed kids. So I went back to the superintendency and I uh, spent six great years in Maryland. Maryland was the first place that I really thought I knew how to be a leader in terms of being a superintendent. I knew how to pull the levers of change and kind of create a vision for moving forward. I took one more superintendency. I went to uh, Charlotte Mecklenburg, uh, where I had served for not as long as I would have liked, but it was a good stay for me. Um, and then I joined Compass Group, which is a company, company that's right here in Charlotte. Um, and so now my role is to be an ambassador and to go out and talk to people about what's going on so that hopefully we can talk about change. Hence, K-12 Confidential. Yeah. And, you know, all of the work that you've been talking about and the work I've been talking about, you know, um, the heart of it um, touches me a lot because I was the first uh, member of my family to go to college. And I, nobody in my family went to college, but it was a public educator, a teacher who you know, despite all those things in in our lives of courses and things, who basically said to me, Raymond, you know, you could do more than this and you need to think, you know, you need to think about where you're going to go and you can go in a lot of, uh, go in a lot of directions. And that, you know, I think that we forget the impact of public education in this country. And I'm not just going to say public, but all education. We forget the impact it has on individual lives. And I think what's important, I think about this podcast is that our work is really dedicated to improving the lives of our young 
children and having them be successful in the world they're going to live in. Because I, I think we get confused about what education is really all about. And, I, and I've always had, and I think you've heard me say it many times, I've had this belief that the aim of education is not to have kids do well in school. It's really to have them do well in the lives they lead outside of school. It's about success after school. And the more that school replicates the world outside, the better. And I think that's where one of the big disconnects is, is that our schools are really, um, they've all, they've, they are what they used to be. Mm-hmm. And they continue to be. And that's a challenge for us in this country uh, of where we need to take public education and where we need to take just education in general. Yeah, you know, that reminds me, I think we have to honor the past, but we have to be oriented towards the future. You know, there are those who say, you know, you, you can't spend all your time in the past. But I, I would argue that, you know, in the past, we learned a lot about how to teach kids to read. We learned a lot about how to teach kids to be fluent with numeracy. Those things are still important things for us to talk about. And I want to honor those things through this podcast. I want to honor the leaders who have really pioneered some of those great lasting skill sets. But I also want to push them and urge them to think about how you use them in this crazy, mixed-up world that we now live in. How, how do you become successful? As you, as you said, it isn't, the point of school isn't school. The point of school is after school. Exactly. And, you know, at the Successful Practices Network, we have this image, and it shows somebody walking on a tightrope and balancing two, uh, two ends of that pole. And one end of the pole is just what you said. It's, you know, there are things that, that we have to nurture and enhance what we have always been in education. So we got to care for the past and the present while at the same time moving our system to enable the future. And that balancing of the past and the present. And, you know, sometimes I see people um, actually taking shots at education, saying, you're not doing enough of the future. And then others are saying, you know, you need to keep us in the past. And actually, the middle is right, the balance of those two, because we're we're big organizations, and we're organizations that really, you know, everybody has had an experience in a school. And what I want to say to the people is, you know, we need to back off what schools were like when we were there. We need to understand that there's a balance now of bringing out of that some of the best. And you mentioned it, literacy. Literacy is critical. I don't care. You can talk about AI. You can talk about all that. If, if, a star, if a child's not literate, they don't have great math thinking skills and facts and things like that. We know we need that. But we also need other things. And that means we've got to figure out how we make these systems work in a really, in a really um, significantly challenging world. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because I'm reminded of a phrase I used some time ago where You know, I said to a group of superintendents, you know, we're not educating kids for your past. We're educating them for their future. And that changed the nexus of the conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, there were still those that you could see sitting in the back of the room that saying, well, wait a minute, what what are you really saying? And so we had to spend some time talking about a concept that I know you know about because you talk about it. And that's uh, the volatility that's out there right now. The VUCA world. The VUCA world, right? (laughs) And so I'd like to spend some time maybe 
just talking a little bit about what we're going to do with this podcast. I mean, we're going to begin talking about the VUCA world, mm-hmm. but where we're going to go from there. So let's begin, if you don't mind, kind of talking about the arc of the podcast. Yeah, because, you know, um, in education, we've always, again, uh, been so rigid. We, we, we do one school year and then we look at it and say, how do we get a little bit better? And then we launch the next school year. That's okay if we're moving at, you know, 1950s time or 1960 or 70, but the pace of change is significant and the world is very complex. And this concept of VUCA, uh, volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous, is something that as educators, we were leaders, we were never trained to deal with moving and agility and having a a sense of um, being flexible and agile in this rapidly changing environment. And actually students in many instances are ahead of what's going on in schools. We see little things emerging at times right now. Um, They call this freelance learning, that kids are bored because learning in school isn't like learning outside. And so what they're doing, they're doing this freelance learning where kids leave school and then they start doing things outside of school that's of interest to them because they know they need this to survive in their world. And we have got to start to realize that the world is changing so quickly. We've got to move at a faster pace. We can't let this happen. So, Ray, that suggests that, you know, there aren't these easy answers as we approach the education of kids. And if there aren't easy answers, then how do you manage these polarities? And is that something we should talk about? Yeah, we're going to talk about this theory of polarities. And um, I learned a lot about this when I was at Southern New Hampshire University. You know, that that place is a very uh, different learning organization. They have a, they have a, a, a focus on uh, constantly challenging the status quo. They constantly ask, you know, why do we do this? You know, is this right? And one of the things I learned is that um, we need to manage things um, from both sides. And so what I mean by that is we have to understand the importance of continuity and at the same time understand the importance of change. And balancing those two things is critical. I think all of us in our lives, in our homes, you know, we may have at one time, you know, stared at a microwave and say, we don't need a microwave, but now we have one, you know, and we, we slowly change things in our home. We slowly adapt to the world out there. And it's really a balancing act. And I'm going to suggest that, you know, we're not talking about schools rushing into the future, but it's actually moving into the future would be nice. And bringing with us some of the critical components of the past. And that's polarity work. And, um, and I do a lot of that with districts. And it, the thing that we understand most about polarities, and we'll talk about that in our series, is that a lot of the problems we face today do not have answers because they're not problems. They're messes. They're conundrums. They're polarities. Um, problems have solutions and they're simple. But messes and conundrums must be navigated. And we're going to talk about how you navigate those. That's really critical. That, that to me, is fascinating because almost every superintendent I know, in fact, most leaders of organizations say, we have a strategic plan for that. (laughs) We've got the five steps that we're going to follow through. And 
Ray, what you just described doesn't seem like a static document is going to manage mm-hmm. this dynamic you got environment it, guy. we find on. You got it. You know, um, I don't know how many people realize this, but uh, there's a lot of really powerful and great organizations that don't have five and ten year strategic plans. They have a compass. And they have a compass, and the compass tells them the direction they want to go in, but not how to, you know, you may go a little off here and there. You know, it's um, it, it big, there's, there's a need for us to understand that we have to be agile. And uh, if we're going to get to where we're going, we need to be agile. And what's really funny about that, Clayton, is I remember as a, a superintendent and then as a commissioner um, having, we had rooms that had strategic plans in them. And that's where you'd go to look the plan, but it would stay there and nobody would ever implement it. And then it was five years and all of a sudden you say, let's look at the strategic plan because we don't have time for that. The, you know, I, I think about it this way. Have you ever walked into your district with the start of the school year and have this right great idea, right? And then all of a sudden all these yellow buses pull up. Yeah. And and you you never get to that idea again, right? right. <laughs> because you your day is so quickly and we we all have plans like that and they don't help us. But what we what we do need is a really like a compass that says we make decisions based on these three things, right? And so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk lead into some of that work. So, you know, Ray, in that comment, I, I think there is inherent in it some honoring of the past, but also moving towards a different future. I'd like to spend some time in an upcoming podcast talking about how our past can inform the future, but I also think that it's important for us to begin thinking about how schools become more future-focused. Mm-hmm. I know you've done some work with some schools. So can you talk a little bit about what that podcast might look like? Yeah, that you know, there's some great districts out there. I can name some schools that, uh, and I'll do that over the podcast. But you know, there's a school in the United States where the kids arrive; they have to have to go to school, but they don't have to go to class because they've redesigned what learning is all about in that school, mm-hmm. and and they and they give kids like the ability to manage their learning. And some people go, well, wow, how's that happen? That seems really mysterious. Um, but the thing is that we we know that um, most schools, and I've said this many times in in speeches and written about it, is that you know most schools are, are look back all the time. They look back um, to to improve themselves, and then they're they're cautious about how do they take in new things. And there are ways to take in new ideas. We should have some. We should have the ability in our schools to try some things out with our kids and to learn because. You know, people like right now you hear a lot of, of conversation about AI, you know, and people say, well, let's just ban it. Well, you know, a better thing to do is to put it in front of some kids and a couple of teachers and then put it in front of a maybe a, uh, some students that are challenged and, and give them a little shot at what, what they might do with it. And then some kids that are really bright. And we, I'm working with schools that are doing these kinds of things. And then because, you know, the key is. We don't know what humans are going to do until you let them play with stuff, mm-hmm. right? We can predict it and we can say it, but let them play. And uh, those are the kind of things we need to do if we're going to be forward focused. I mean, so if we're going to be future focused and, you know, think of companies, you know, I think of, you know, the big company, uh, you know, and you name a big company that, that's out there. They're constantly testing things and trying things out. 
schools need to be able to be like that. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting to me because a lot of people seem to be afraid of the changes. And what we're going to explore on this podcast is you don't need to be afraid. You can move into something called controlled innovation. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So at SPN, we developed a concept of controlled innovation. And and I say that because I had the pleasure of working with Bain Venture Capital when I was at uh, Penn Foster. They... They're a company that, you know, invests heavily in uh, entrepreneurial endeavors, right? They learn a lot from failure. They learn a lot. You know, they're a, a company that does that. Well, you can't do that as a public school. <laughs> you know, as, as a public school, if you lose 10 bucks on a bet, you know, you're in trouble. Um, Bain would say, you know, we lost a million dollars on that project, but we've learned a lot and we'll apply that. And so... In, in, in the concept of controlled innovation, we do things in a very thoughtful and, um, and controlled way. But the, the term controlled, controlled innovation. So we have a process for innovation. You know, can you think about, um, like, think about setting up a shark tank in your school where kids and teachers can come in and pitch an idea and then say, how, how might we try this? Let's think about this. And the other thing, Clayton, I think is important is that um, most of us in education don't work with the tools of futurists, right? um, like a consequence wheel where, um, where you're trained on how to look at an idea and then think about all the positive and negative results of it. And, and, I, and I say that because here's, here's something that's really important, and we'll talk about it in the podcast. But the thing is, is that when, when, when we innovate and we create new opportunities and things like that, some of us sometimes think there's never a downside to it. Well, look at anything we've ever implemented that's new has a good, an upside and a downside. And we have to balance those things. We have to realize what the downsides and the upsides are. The other thing we can't do is we can't make people that think the idea is not a good idea, we can't make them the enemy of the change because we want to understand, you know, what are they, why, why do they think this? What are they resisting? Because they're not... I don't, I don't believe educators in general anywhere are trying to, you know, they don't want to do something because they're, they're afraid of it. They don't want to do it because they don't see the value of it and they see what they're doing as having a higher value. That's an okay reason to resist. But then if we, if we work with that environment, if we work within that environment and we have people that are trying things and people that are hanging on to the, the, the past, that's okay, right? Because they can learn from each other. And we have to be able to manage those situations. And that's, that's kind of some of the tools that we're going to talk about during this podcast series. I think this is going to be really an exciting time for us because not only can we have great conversations and bring great, great guests in to yes. participate in this, we're going to create a landing page where people can interact with us, where they can ask us questions that we would further explore, or perhaps even invite them in so that they could explore the question with us. So I'm looking forward to the days ahead when we really get deeper into each of these issues. And more importantly, talk about other issues that may be tangential or adjacent to these issues that matter to educators and leaders today. Yep. And, and, what we're basically saying is we really don't know where we're going, but you'll all help us get there. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, you know any, any road leads to Rome. You got it. You got it. But isn't that your day's life if you're a leader in, a, in an educational system today? Yeah. Do we really know where we're going? 
Well, we'll we'll figure it out when we get there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be a lot of fun. I look forward to it. Me too, big guy. All right. Talk to you soon, Ray. Excellent. Confidential is presented by Compass Group and produced by Corey Insko and Jen Fisher. Your hosts are Dr. Clayton Wilcox, Vice President, Ambassador Relations at Compass Group, and Ray McNulty, President of the Successful Practices Network and National Dropout Prevention Center.